0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving
1: you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes.
2: Skids off to Taylor, he's in! Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! Fires that way, picked off!
0: Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket, the Colts bring it down! A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end, Tony. Throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started.
2: Welcome into another edition of the Colts Official Podcast presented by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankiewicz, joined on today's podcast by Lara Overton and Casey Vallier. And guys, I'm in sunny South Florida. I don't mean to rub it in, um, but there have been quite a few things we have learned this week at the NFL annual meeting about marriage. Ryan, Carson Wentz, Naheem Hines, what's next at wide receiver? We are going to get into all of that here on the Colts official podcast presented by WinBat. Before we jump in, remember to rate, review and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you are listening to us right now. Laren Casey, um, just what have you guys noticed from afar Um, you know kind of keeping tabs on what's been said down here by Frank Reich by Chris Ballard uh, by Jim Irsay just anything stood out to you guys as you've kind of scanned around and, and seen what's been put out there before we really dive into all this
0: Well, let me start, JJ. I'll start with that it's 38 degrees here in in good old central Indianapolis, so thanks for rubbing in that you're in the nice, warm weather of sunny Florida. So, appreciate that. I mean, I'll tell you this, too. My birthday was this past Saturday, and it was nothing like waking up on my birthday to snow on the ground going, wait a minute, what's going on? So, you know, thanks for rubbing that in to start. Look, I I was in Indy on Saturday, too, okay? (laughs) You know. Yeah, that was something. I honestly was uh, truly kind of at a, wait, what is going on here? because you know last weekend I was out with my kids with shorts and a t-shirt on and now we've got snow on the ground so you know I'm glad you're coming back to you know pretty normal you know mid march weather here in indianapolis
2: yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the the sooner we wrap up this podcast, the sooner I get to go sit by the pool for a little bit. So oh, yeah. There why don't we, I uh, knew that was coming, what, right? <laughs> why don't we just jump into it? And, yes, that's another pool reference. Um, th- this is something – Lara and I were, were going back and forth about this yesterday as we were prepping for this podcast. That. Chris Ballard said something really interesting. He said, quote, I think it's a good sign when you got quarterbacks that want to be in your organization. They're not coming if you're just a dysfunctional mess. So thinking about how the Colts went out and got Philip Rivers two years ago, they got Matt Ryan this year, a little bit of it is luck. But the point I want to make here, guys, and I want to get your thoughts on it, is the Colts set themselves up to take advantage of these situations where a quarterback becomes available because of a you know a domino effect or a trickle down or whatever you may call it, the, Matt Ryan's not coming to Indianapolis if the roster isn't good, if he doesn't believe in the head coach and he doesn't believe in the general manager and ownership. So some of it is good fortune, but the Colts have built themselves into a franchise that players wanna come from. Lara, I, I wanna start with you on this. It's not just that the Colts are getting lucky here, is it?
3: No, it's it, there's a a luck factor, and that's something that Chris mentioned that he he does feel like that you got lucky in some ways, mostly because it didn't transpire you way the way you thought it was going to. You positioned yourself to be able to make a trade for Matt Ryan under the thought that Atlanta was a likely destination for Deshaun Watson. That is what kind of initiated even Matt Ryan being a possibility to begin with. Then when Deshaun goes to Cleveland... I don't think anyone thought that this is how it was going to end up outside of that group in the front office, outside of the confidence that Chris and Frank and Ed Dodds and all of those guys had that this deal can still get done. And to me, it was indicative when Matt Ryan came in last week and said it was either stay in Atlanta or it was come come here. He wasn't going to seek a trade anywhere in the NFL. This wasn't just I'm. I'm you know, hell-bent on getting out of Atlanta and I'll go anywhere. This was a very um, strategic and well-executed, formulated plan for both Matt Ryan and for the Colts, in which Matt Ryan did a lot of research on the organization, dug into, of course, uh, he, he is well-versed in the quarterback history. We know he's close with Peyton, he's close with Phillip. He obviously knows that lineage, but then also digging into the rest of the organization, looking into Frank. So there was a lot put into this on both sides of exploring if this was or was not going to be the best fit for both parties. Then let's not overlook like you want to talk about luck. Sure. I mean, Chris isn't going to say this about himself. I am happy to. Chris Ballard is a freaking wizard with the way he maneuvered the, the trade with Washington to create the opportunity to open up another third round pick that then ended up being the leverage that you needed to get Matt Ryan. The work that he managed, the trades that he executed over these past three weeks like I know everyone still wants to know what you're doing at left tackle and wide receiver and tight end and cornerback and all of that but like the most important position on the football field he got resolved when no one thought there was a way to get that done so this is to me I I just I don't think I, I think we could do like a master class in front office Uh, negotiations, a masterclass in front office business savvy with what has been done in March by Chris Ballard in the front office. But, yeah, and the other thing that, that we learned is Yes, huge—you know—huge strikes to the positive. You know, big checks on the positive side, big wins, if you will, for the Colts to get Matt Ryan in here and make the trade for Unique Ngakwe, kind of the other big move, and to re-sign some of your own, and all of those things in this stretch of the off But another thing that we heard—you know—talked about was it was hard to resolve some of those other position groups, like signing a primary wide receiver, signing a big-name wide receiver, or a veteran tight end, when you couldn't maybe tell that guy who was throwing him the ball. So for all of those who might want to say, well, we still have to do this and that. Well, you had some dominoes that needed to fall in terms of securing the quarterback position before you could address some of your pass catchers. And the cupboard is not bare by any means. We also heard reinforced this week that Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay all like the wealth of talent that they have thus far. Really young talent, especially when you do know how under utilized Naheem Hines was last season that is no secret. He is a dynamic pass catching and ball running option and he didn't see the productivity and that's going to be an area where I think you see probably Matt and Naheem getting together this off season and spending a little bit of time making sure that that aspect of the offense is much more utilized and much more proficient in 2022.
2: Yeah, so one other one thing to kind of jump in on with that is so I mean Chris Ballard said that you know there there were some guys who they were talking to in free agency who asked who's going to be the quarterback and the answer was, well, I, I don't know you know we're still working on it um, that's real that stuff is real. Um, the other thing that you know I think everyone, you know, you know, anyone who's who's followed Chris Ballard's career knows this, but just to reinforce it is that he is always willing to make moves later in the offseason. He always says you can build your roster until mid-October, and that's something that time in and time out we have seen him do. So, you know, right now. You know, the, you, you may be looking at that depth chart and being like, oh, well, you know, they, they got to go do something. They got to go do something. Well, the Colts aren't viewing it that way. The, the way that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are viewing it is we we we're not in despair. We don't need to be desperate to go. And that's get the someone. mentality that
3: landed you, Matt Ryan. Like this works. Exactly. Like, this, this is what works. So there should be so, no knee jerk reaction
2: the the other thing is you know we've heard a lot this week one name that i keep hearing get brought up is kylan granson and over and over again you know whether it's been frank wright chris ballard you know jim ursay mentioned him multiple times in his session with the media on tuesday um he sounds like a guy who the colts are gonna bet on and this is kind of veering into something i wanted to talk about later on in the podcast but since we're on the subject right now um it, Frank Reich said it's going to be quote impossible to replace Jack Doyle because of what he brought to the run game but if you look at how the Colts operated their offense last year they were in 12 personnel an awful lot so one running back two tight ends but those two tight ends were Jack Doyle and Mo Alley Cox two guys who are top six run blocking tight ends in the NFL by pro football focus your offense can change year to year and if in 2022 the Colts are in 12 personnel that may look like Mo Cox in line but now you've get now you are, are able to use Kylan Granson more as that slot-ish type guy who's kind of in that flex position where he can be a run after the catch guy get up the seam run on some of those crossers he can do some different things that Jack and Mo don't do and you know if you're looking at how this offense can evolve just not necessarily only with Matt Ryan and there at quarterback that's one way that the Colts can do it is by utilizing a guy in Kylan Grantson who was able to kind of work behind the scenes as a rookie and now maybe utilize him more as he grows into year two.
3: And this is where I think it comes down to looking at some of the assistant coaches that you have within your building. So I would expect, like Kylan Grant said, don't forget a converted wide receiver. Think about the benefit for someone like Kylan. He's going to be able to work with Reggie Wayne on some of his, you know, his route running and those type of things that will only further, you know, his development. And then he also has Clayton Adams as his tight ends coach. Clayton used to coach the offensive line, so no better person to run from to develop your run blocking than Clayton, who has been, you know, instrumental in helping develop both the offensive line and that group of tight ends. And then I love the impact from... Naheem Hines, like Naheem Hines loves Scotty Montgomery. Those two have a really fun dynamic. And part of the reason that Naheem really learned so much working with Scotty is because Scotty had played receiver and that helped Naheem in his particular role. Now imagine the possibilities of Naheem Hines not only having Scotty Montgomery in the run game, but having the benefit of a Reggie Wayne to work with in terms of the Colts passing game as well.
0: No, one hundred percent. And I would agree with, with everything you just said, Lara. I love what you said about Kylan Granson, though. He is a converted wide receiver. And and last year I think it was hard. We we all you know we all heard them ranting and raving about him in training camp. And then you look at the numbers, and I mean you've got a guy in Jack Doyle who you cannot take off the football field, and Moa like Mo Ali Cox had just continued to earn that role. So it was really hard for Kylan to find the football field. And you know? we've
3: seen Mo is a guy who gets better the more catches or the, right. the more targets he gets. So you have to kind of keep feeding him the ball, because when he has those games where he doesn't get as many targets, he can fall into a lull a bit. A bit. He's very like, rhythm-based in terms of his receiving.
0: And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what, I mean, I, I think we have seen over the last handful of years, the quarterbacks that have been under center for the Colts are guys that utilize the tight end, and we know that Frank Reich, I mean, we saw how many breakout years we've seen in a row out of, you know, Jack Doyle, we saw Eric Ebron when he was here, he utilizes the tight end. So this is kind of a very I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to them, utilizing Kylan in this role here in year two, he's got one year of NFL football under under his belt. And if you talk to anybody, they always say that first year is it is a complete whirlwind. It is such a difference from what they experienced in college. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they utilize him in year two because kind of that hybrid tight end. I'm not I'm not trying to put him in comparison, but you know Matt Ryan had a lot of that in a rookie last year in Kyle Pitts. Yeah, that's
2: all you
0: know a really good point. And by the way, Kyle
2: Pitts so. So, just to to kind of paint a picture, to go back to Matt Ryan, the Falcons' best wide receiver last year was probably Kyle Pitts, Um, and something that Frank Reich said when he was talking about watching Matt Ryan's film is that when he found out that you know, Matt Ryan, you know, might be available. The first thing he did is he went and he looked at all of Matt Ryan's throws downfield and all of Matt Ryan's throws outside the numbers. And those are, you know, those are two things that will tell you, hey, how much arm strength does this guy still have left? And what that showed him is there was no physical deterioration in Matt Ryan. But so since Frank said that, I went and I watched a couple of those plays. And when I had a chance to sit down with him, you're going to hear the interview later on this podcast. Before I sat down with him, I played a couple for him and I was like, just to tell me what you saw on this. And what what we were watching was Matt Ryan's willingness in late in games to throw the ball up when he gets single coverage on a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's a go-up-and-get-it guy, a physical specimen at tight end. Hey, you're singled up. We don't need to run you know, a, a switch-release, high-low concept to get guys open. Hey, just go get a bucket. And Matt Ryan's really good at that. Matt Ryan is seventh all-time in game-winning drives. And for, for that, all I saw was Matt Ryan just throwing it up to Michael Pittman Jr., when the game's on the line and making those kinds of plays. And that's a a skill and a quality that Matt Ryan has. But that's also something that we saw Pitt have last year at times, where when the Colts needed a play, Carson Wentz would throw the ball to Michael Pittman against... Uh, you know, San Francisco especially stands out. And Pitt would just go up and he would make that play and seal that game. He did it against Miami, uh, did it against Baltimore a couple times. Like, that. That connection, I think, between Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman Jr. can be really, really strong. And that doesn't minimize some of the other players the Colts need to step up at wide receiver, whether that's Paris Campbell or Mike Strawn or Desmond Patman or Ashton Doolin um, or Naheem Hines, who may be getting some time in the slot. But that looked to me like I could, you know, it's like that that great video uh, edit that our colleagues Zach Baker and Kimberly Skoog did where it was like, You know, Matt Ryan dropping back and throwing to Michael Pittman Jr., and it looked awesome. Like, I can see that. Like, in actuality on film. So to me, that's just something that got me really excited about where this offense can go with those two guys specifically involved in the passing game.
3: Not to mention the eagerness Matt Ryan already expressed about working with Jonathan Taylor. Like, that's the great thing, too, is that Matt Ryan realizes that, yeah, he, he's in a position where you want to have a balanced offense, so to speak. And obviously, he is going to be in those positions to utilize, the, you know the, obviously, to, um, be, to spearhead you know the Colts passing attack but the great thing is is he's really eager to work alongside Jonathan Taylor and make sure that this offense finds that type of balance that we know Frank Reich strives for and be able to have some better balance than what you saw in maybe some different situations in the 2021 regular season but I think that that's one of the things that Matt Ryan is so well aware of the fact that he's played this long and he's at this point in his career he's very very savvy to both his strengths and his limitations and then that allows the Colts to build around him play to his strengths and then supplement some of those quote unquote perceived weaknesses and there aren't very many trust me like right. there aren't many but any quarterback is going to have them right. like tom brady has weaknesses like every quarterback does so i think that you're going to see that now that you have it resolved who it's going to be and and you know that you have a very you know a very smart a a very smart quarterback a guy who does have the arm talent a guy who has the poise and the composure uh to win in game-winning type of situations, lead those type of two-minute drives, now you can fill those other pieces in place and build the rest of what you need to to put him in those type of game-winning type of situations. And one thing that we started to see is that the Colts, over the past week, improved their um, standing in terms of being the team now of leading the AFC South. Hey, this is now not so much a, you know, runaway Tennessee Titans owning the division type of conversation that we heard just hammered and hammered and hammered. Now there is a lot of intrigue behind how Matt Ryan fits and elevates this offense because not only does he have those pieces and those weapons On the opposite side, he has an incredible defense that is only getting better, especially with the guys who you're seeing brought in most recently, that name being John Fox, you know, in a senior defensive assistant role alongside Gus Bradley. You talk about a guy who knows about winning and knows about, you know, uh, t- taking a team to the playoffs—that's an incredible piece as well to continue developing the Colts' defense.
0: One hundred percent. I'm glad you brought up John Fox because honestly, the whenever I saw the sign, I was like, "Wait a minute—he was available to just come in at any capacity." Because it's—I mean, this is a guy who has been—I mean, I don't know what the yearage, but I mean, he's probably been in the NFL for what twenty-five, thirty years, and his experience everywhere he goes, he has had success. And and I think you are always. Going to get at least you know from me, and I'm just you know some some Joe off the street, but you're always going to get a tip of the cap when you bring in proven. Leadership proven guys who have been there and done that, and John Fox is one of those guys. And I almost got a little giddy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. When we I went to go get our lunch today here in the (laughs) the complex, and he was in the cafeteria, and I was like, "Oh, there's there's John Fox. Like there he is. He's really here. He's sitting there talking with Gus Bradley." And I was like, "They're already formulating up brilliant defensive schemes." And I was like, "This."
3: Also, Gus doesn't stop. Like Gus is working. Like the the second Gus steps in the building, you guys, this man is. Working, he is talking like I was just like chatting it up with like Cato the other day, and and like Gus is buzzing through the building like (laughs) he's he's working on things. He's over in Nate Ollie's office. Like I'm like like I just like I want to. He is a buzz. And it's March all the time. Just wait what it's going to be like here in a
0: couple months. (laughs) It is
3: March, and here's the other factor that kind of comes from our conversation that we had with Gus Bradley and asking when we sat in here with him about the benefit of understanding the head coaching role and being a coordinator but having that right. empathy and that understanding of what your head coach is doing over the course of a season and all the things he's juggling right. well aside from game planning and running practices and watching film and all of that. John Fox has that strength as well and when we talked with Frank, this is something that I, I loved because Frank as much as he is a coach at heart. Frank Reich is a student of football at heart. I don't know that there's any coach I've been around that loves to learn as much as Frank. I mean, this is a guy who is tireless in terms of he reads, he talks to people, he's digging into things. And he was telling me he's so excited to learn from Gus. And I know he feels the same way about John Fox because you think about it like as as veteran of a coach coach as Frank Reich is, he's still kind of a younger head coach in the NFL. So I also think as beneficial as this is for the growth of the defense, this is huge for the growth of this coaching staff to have now two guys who are former head coaches instrumental in this Indianapolis Colts defense right now.
2: It's been a little bit since John Fox has been in the NFL, but guys, 2017 was was his last year with the Bears, his last year uh in a coaching position in the nfl but the bears were a top 10 defense in points allowed i covered that team that was a that defense did not have the talent that the colts defense has that that defense was pre-khalil Mack. it was before eddie jackson ascended to being an all pro it was before kyle fuller ascended to being an all pro there's some good players on that defense that was a really good defense and Vic fangio was there but you know john fox was the head coach he was calling the shots and uh to, to bring that in and just to bring a, a different kind of defense. You know, Gus Bradley has evolved his, his cover three, that kind of Hawk three defense over the last 12 years. But John Fox is known for playing a lot of quarters. So could there be some wrinkles that John Fox brings to the Colts defense of, hey, when you get this look, we can go with this type of coverage, just a different perspective. I, I love the idea of bringing someone in who's not from the Gus Bradley tree, but who has that experience just to add a little bit of you know extra flavor to it. You know, obviously it's going to it's going to be Gus's defense and he is going He is going to lean on Ron Milas and Richard Smith, guys who he's coached with for a very long time in implementing that defense. But now that he can go over to a guy who's got four decades of coaching experience playing somewhat of a different scheme in the back end. You know, when you've got the quarterbacks that the Colts are going to face on their schedule this year, it's not the worst thing to kind of have that little seed of doubt in a coordinator's mind or a head coach's mind on the other side of like, well, You know, we we know Gus Bradley's mostly going to play cover three and he's got some variations here. But wait a minute. John Fox is there. Are are they going to throw some quarters at us? Like just those little little things. That's what Frank Reich talked about. That seed of doubt, um, you know, that John Fox can bring to impact how teams have to prepare for the Colts defense. Um, You know, this is a role that Frank talked a lot about uh, wanting to hire. Um, You know, he's been looking into it for a little while. The Colts kind of had it last year with Press Taylor as the senior offensive assistant. Now this year going to John Fox as the senior defensive assistant. Um, It it seems like a pretty good fit to me. You know, Fox is a guy who, you know, again, when I was in Chicago in 2017 and and he was let go after that season, my thought was maybe he'll take a year off and then he'll come back as a coordinator because this is a guy who, you know, he had coached in the NFL for 15 years as a head coach, was a coordinator for almost a decade. Uh, And this is the first time he's back in the league. I'm sure he's done a lot of research. I'm sure he's done a lot of studying. you know, and, and can bring some of that perspective of sort of maybe being out of it a little bit, but still paying attention now to this Colts defense.
3: Well, I think it's like the conversation we heard about, it's a good sign when you have a guy, a veteran guy like Matt Ryan, who wants to come to your team and the foundation is there. I think you can say the same for John Fox. He was going to be patient and look for the right opportunity. He could, I'm sure he's had numerous offers oh, over yeah. the past, what, five years, four or five years, whatever it has been. He was going to wait for the right opportunity. So there is something Thing about this Colts defense that drew Sean Fox, you know, out of semi- pseudo-retirement to do this. So that's a great indication as well. And right now, when you look at the Colts secondary and the youth of that Colts secondary right now, because Xavier Rhodes is still out there in free agency, T.J. Carey out there in free agency, you traded Rock Yassin. You so your secondary right now, it's led by Kenny Moore the second pro bowler Kenny Moore the second, and then you have Isaiah Rodgers, Kari Willis, Julian Blackman coming off of injury, that is a very young group. So as much veteran presence from a coaching standpoint, and right. I think Ron Miles is going to be incredible. Mike Mitchell as well. But then just also having another set of eyes to oversee this and help those guys develop because it is young. It is a very talented group. I think we saw Isaiah in particular take huge strides this this past year so and they could still make moves at that position but that's an area to me very very young that can be heavily impacted by some of those wrinkles and that development that you have of coaches like a Gus Bradley who was so high energy and a John Fox who had time removed to be re-energized to come in and work with the defense that he's really excited about.
0: And I want to touch one thing real quick. What Lara said when you bring in guys who have been there, you know, been head coaches, that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to mm-hmm. is to see the growth that we're going to see from Frank here in this season. Because he is a guy that I think anybody would say when you look at the at the way he he is coaching week one to week seventeen, week eighteen, whatever it is in which year he's been here. There's been growth. This year is going to be a lot different because you've got two former head coaches there who can say, "Hey, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you do this?" And and it couldn't. It might even be completely off the football field. Yeah. And that's kind of the stuff that I love. I I was talking with a handful of guys today about just what that brings. Just it brings so much more. Just different perspectives, different views, different just lingo, whatever it is. It brings this another wrinkle as as Frank has talked about to put in to opposing teams, when they're looking, they're like, well, they got, you know, this guy's done this in the past and this guy, it it just brings everything full circle. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the growth of Frank here in 2022 with the addition of John Fox, along with Gus Bradley. All
2: right. Before we move on to my sit down with Frank Reich, just uh, let's talk a little bit more about Naheem Hines, because we've kind of mentioned him a couple times in this podcast, and he's been a, a pretty big topic of conversation around here with the Colts, because we've heard uh, you know, from Chris Ballard, we heard from Jim Ursae that, hey, it is a priority for the Colts to get Naheem Hines the ball more in 2022. Yeah, you him a big fr-
3: extension last yeah. offseason. Y-
2: you did, right. Um, and when, when you think about the weapons that this Colts team has, you know, most people will say Taylor and Pittman. But the way the Colts view it, Naheem Hines is a part of that, too. He just wasn't used enough last year. And, you know, we, we've heard from Frank Reich, hey, he knows we got to get Heinz the ball more. It's not like we're going to force the ball to him, but we need to find some different ways to get him the football. Um, and one and, thing and that we heard be honest, that
3: doesn't just come from Frank's like play calling. There are a lot of factors in which oh, that led, uh, led yeah. to that. So that doesn't just one hundred percent on Frank. There's a big kind of snowball of factors that all contribute, whether it's, you know, defenses yes. and, and different things and different scenarios. So, yes. And but JJ started uh, you know, jumping there.
2: Well, and, and frankly, one other thing is, um, you know, we, we've heard it from Chris Ballard that one of the the reasons for splitting with Carson Wentz was that he wasn't taking the layups. And Naheem Hines, if you're taking the layups, you're getting the ball to Naheem Hines a lot. So that is another aspect to this whole thing. But something that was interesting was we, we heard from Chris Ballard that the, the Colts might try Naheem in the slot a little bit more and we've certainly seen his receiving skills and Lara I I, I know you've covered him longer than I have so I want to defer to you on this but um Naheem is pretty confident in his receiving skills like not just hey I can catch it out of the backfield but in his ability to run routes create separation those different things isn't he
3: Oh, absolutely. There was like last season uh, and during the offseason, he spent immense time going back to Raleigh and he got back to North Carolina and got on the track at NC State and spent a lot of time not only working on like his quick twitch speed, but also like his burst and acceleration so that he can get that necessary separation in the receiving game. And he is a threat. We have seen it time and time and again. And also too, Naheem Hines, like make no like he is one of the most like candid guys. I I always appreciate Naheem because he will shoot you straight. Like those ghosts of his rookie season, preseason, when he was on returns and he had those just, he had huge drops in the return game, and that haunted him for a long, long time, and that is not forgotten. So, Naeem still knows, and that is embedded in his brain, how much he has to stay on the jugs machine, work on his hand, work on his receiving, all of those things, Um, you know, from a a return perspective on special teams, and also from a pass-catching ability. He is one of the most diligent workers in every aspect, and he is. He's committed to making sure that he's prepared to be utilized in whatever way he is called and whatever way he can contribute offensively and to special teams, because he's a guy who doesn't obsess over the number of touches he gets right. in a game. All he wants to do is is be productive when given those opportunities. And one of, I thought, the most productive uh, scenarios you saw for the Colts offense was when you had JT and Naheem on the field together this past season and mixing it up in that respect, respect. So, yes, Naheem is a guy who is making sure whatever the situation is that he's prepared, whether it is in the run game, if it's in the passing game, if it's on, you know, returns and special teams, whatever it happens to be. But yeah, he makes sure every facet of his game is developing year in. you're out and the great thing for him too is he and Jonathan Taylor complement each other really well they love to work together they thrive and feed off of one another you'll see him bantering on the sidelines so that has been great for I think Naheem as well and then too, Matt Ryan when as soon as he is able to spend time working with Naeem Hines I think he's immediately going to have that heck yeah we got to utilize this guy way more that you know you you will certainly see that develop and that relationship transpire when you get everyone together here in the spring
0: I think it's funny that that you say that because it sounds like almost every player on this team. Everybody has a chip on their shoulder. Everybody works really. It, it it's. I mean, I'm not in every other locker room, mm-hmm. but that's one of the things that Matt Ryan mentioned when he came here. I texted these guys and the first they're, thing they said is, winning. let's get ready, let's go work, let's win. And that, yeah. that is what you get here. And when I love that you mentioned Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines' relationship because Naeem Hines will be the first to tell you that you know when Jonathan Taylor is running for 250 yards against Jacksonville, he's the first one there to go give him a high 100%. five. They, well,
3: they are, Partially because he's the fastest well, they, guy. <laughs> There's so he, <laughs> he can run the quickest, down the field. You're, yeah. you're, you're true that track Bubba, guy. He Vint- <laughs> Are
1: you kidding? Is Naheem Hines
3: a track guy? Naheem Hines was an ACC Uh-oh. champion in the 4x100 relay there for it the Wolfpack. Yes, yes. Track guy. Woo!
0: That, that is one thing that, that I love about this team. And I, I'm biased because I do get the, the pleasure of covering this team. But that is almost every... Every story you hear is these guys are like, oh, well, I've got a chip on my shoulder because of this. And that's what Naeem Hines is. You know, that rookie, we all remember that. I mean, I think there were four fumble, four punt return fumbles that he mm-hmm. had, and everybody was, well, you cannot let this guy be back there. And it took him a little while to get... But, I, I think mean, he, ch- he had to change his number. He did. I mean, it was... It, it yeah, was like, a, just
3: because he had to right. somehow, I mean, like, get, shred this. Get rid yeah. of the
0: demons. Because everybody was like, wait a minute.
3: And I've talked about this before. Like, and, the person he turned to is his twin sister, Naya. Right. She is the one who got his, like, mind out of this. And they, they have an incredible dynamic... I Actually just was just talking to Naheem about Naya the, the other day. They're so fun, but yes, he like was he seriously? She asked him. What is wrong with you? What's going on with you? This isn't you because he was just right. I was haunted by that in his rookie season and trust me too, she doesn't let him forget it either. Like he will never ease off of like the hard work and the work ethic that he has cuz she's always pushing him.
0: One of the things that I am looking forward to though, I mean we we can all look at the previous Matt Ryan offenses and one of the things you always know who it is is their running backs. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing I'm looking forward to seeing how he utilizes Jonathan Taylor and Najee Hines because just like Lara said, he He's going to get in this building. He's going to practice with these guys and go, I have to get these guys to football as many times as I possibly and can. just
3: like you saw John Fox at lunch, I saw Matt Ryan at lunch. He's already in here. He's, <laughs> yeah, already, he's, he's already working. Yeah, yeah yep. he's already in the area code. So.
2: Well, I saw uh, palm trees and a beach. And here we go again. Pool, Come on, man. And <laughs> I saw all those, all those things at lunch. But I will be seeing maybe John Fox and Matt Ryan at lunch tomorrow, because I'll be back in Indianapolis then. Anyways, we are going to get to my sit down with Frank Reich here in beautiful South Florida. Take a listen to that and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network wherever you get your podcasts. We just came out an interview that our friend Jeffrey Gorman did alongside Bill Brooks with Tariq Glenn talking about him getting uh, announced as the next Colts player to go into the Colts Ring of Honor. That is in your podcast feeds here on the Colts Audio Network. You do not want to miss that. Next week here on the Colts Official Podcast, I sat down with the Ringers' Kevin Clark, who for my money is one of the smartest football minds out there to talk about the state of the league where the Colts stand in it. A really interesting interview. We are going to get to that next week on the Colts Official Podcast. But right now, here is Frank Reich, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Frank, the a big topic today as we sit here on Monday was Matt Ryan and the acquisition of a new quarterback here in Indianapolis. You talked a lot about what what made you excited about Matt Ryan, getting him uh, in the building, not only the person he is, but the schematic fit he is. Your overall impression of just – let's talk about the person that Matt Ryan is first, the leader he is, the kind of human he is that you're adding
1: to the building. Yeah, just – like the kind of player that we're looking for great football character right toughness tenacious toughness like love to play football love to practice here's a guy 14 year career missed very few snaps this guy loves to play he loves to practice um you know secondly he's just been a model of consistency over those years and then he's also shown you know, that he has what it takes, that kind of person who the moment's never too big. You know, he can, he can be at his best in the biggest moments.
2: In those big moments, you know, he's, I believe, sixth all time in game-winning drives. That's something you mentioned earlier today. That, that ability to, to come up with those plays when your team needs it the most, to just kind of go get a bucket, if you will, that's something that to have that in a quarterback has got to make your life a little bit easier as a head coach when you get in those, those
1: big situations. There's no doubt. You want to try to when you get in those situations, you're you're typically you're going to go to your go to stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you go to your go to stuff, you, the plays, your past concepts, the run, whatever it is, the play action stuff, the just the drop back stuff. And you just you need that quarterback to, to Direct the ship, and then somewhere along there, you've got to make a big time play. Um, that's what you see year in and year out. That's what this guy's That's what Matt has done his whole career.
2: You mentioned the, the games that he's missed, only three of them in his entire career. And he's someone who, who talked to us about you know, the, the, the dedication he has to taking care of his body, to sleep, to recovery, to all these things. For him to play 14 years and to have that track record, how does that benefit him as you now look at the kind of quarterback he
1: is as he enters his late 30s? Yeah, I mean, that even though he's played that much football because of the care that he's taken in himself, you don't, you don't see any diminishing physical skills. I mean, that just shows up on the tape. You know, even, I mean, right, Matt's not a guy who scrambles around a lot. But even when he does, you can see he can still move. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just stationary in the pocket. He, right. can, he can extend plays, eyes down the field, and make big plays.
2: I wanted to ask you about that, too, because something I noticed when I watched some of his tape was that, he, yeah, he may not be the most mobile quarterback like you think of a mobile quarterback, but he can move in the pocket. And it's something that, I, you know, I remember talking to DeForest Buckner about Tom Brady. In, in kind of a similar vein, in that you know he's not going to take off and run all the time, but he knows how to move in the pocket and he knows how to avoid pressure. Is that something you see with him as well?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and as you said, JJ, there are those kind of movements. There's, there's a little shuffle here, shuffle there, or hey, step up in the pocket, move to the right, step up in the pocket, move to the left, and then occasionally, you know, he still does have that little bit yeah. in him. You know, he's not looking to run or he's not looking to, you know, make that kind of a play. But there, there's still some juice left in those legs.
2: It, as you've got to know him and just the, the conversations you had with him, whether it was on that Zoom, just having him come into the building, having his son give you the biggest high five I've ever seen anyone give, just the, the kind of personality and the, the willingness to learn that he has, how does that kind of mesh with your philosophy and Marcus Brady's philosophy on this coaching staff?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tremendous because – you know, we're so collaborative, you know, we're so collaborative. You know, we, we definitely have a set offense that we want to run with ideas and schemes and how we've envisioned it to be. But we always leave room to adapt to the players uh, that we have, and particularly the quarterback we have. So to get a guy like Matt in in the room and talk it through and hash it out to find the tweaks, the points of emphasis that we want to have is a big deal.
2: Well, what are you excited to learn from him, you know, from his experience over, you know, a decade and a half in the
1: NFL? Yeah, uh, one of the things is, you know, what are his go-to plays? You know, like when it, all those game-winning drives, you know, yeah. to go back and watch some of those with him, you know, go watch all those game-winning drives. Tell me what you were thinking. Tell me about these plays um, so that when we get in those same moments, right, it would be foolish of me to, you know, we might dial a few new things up, but, you know, we might it might be a little mix of both. You know, take a little bit of the old with a little bit of the new. Just generally speaking, when, when you 're bringing in a new
2: quarterback how how much of the offense is similar to what you know every other team around the league runs, and then what 's the percentage of the, of stuff that 's different whether it 's language it 's you know route depth, just certain little things like that
1: yeah, the language can be pretty different um, but it 's kind of all related you know it 's kind of all related know in the way you call formations and stuff like that and And it's all systematized. So, you know, Matt, right, has been 14 years at one spot, but as he's told us, he's had three or four different coordinators. Right. So he's probably had exposure. In fact, I know he's had some exposure to some things that we do. So that makes for a quick translation, transition where you can translate that stuff in your mind and put it into categories. And then uh, you, you learn it that much quicker. So what does the,
2: the OTA process look like then when you get him and you can actually get on the grass with a ball with him in a couple of weeks, months, I guess?
1: Yeah, I mean, in phase one, right, the coaches can't be out in the field. So the first two weeks, It's just meeting time with them, Mm -hmm. and that's very valuable time. You know, we'll have a couple weeks of just meeting time. But then during that meeting time, hey, he'll be out in the field with the players Mm -hmm. and directed by himself, um, throwing, not overdoing it, but just kind of getting initial work with those guys. And then we'll have a couple weeks of that. Then we'll get into phase two. Now the coaches can get out there. We can watch it, and everything will be on film. Again, talking it all through is very valuable.
2: So let's, let's move on to another piece of news that happened today. John Fox being brought on as a senior defensive assistant, a guy with 40 years of coaching experience, coached a number of top defenses in the NFL. Just what are, what are you and Gus looking forward to what John can bring into the building?
1: Yeah, just his experience. Um, you know, hey, Gus, hired Gus to bring the system that he's run and kind of perfected and excited about that. But as we've talked about it, you, you, you're always trying to stay one step ahead, mm-hmm. you know? and. You know john fox has just done that he's done that at a high level for a long time and so and it's been differently than what gus has done so you know this will be you know john not coming in and teaching us his defense this is hey you come in and learn gus's defense and, and and do what we do but now hey let's use that vast experience that you have for a few tweaks here or an idea there is is part of staying one step ahead sometimes being able to pull from stuff
2: in the past you know with with John Fox some of the defenses that he kind of helped pioneer back in the 90s with the New York Giants to be able to kind of pull from some of that information to now apply to now is that something that can happen there
1: yeah there's no doubt you want to pull on that kind of experience and particular in particular you want to pull on the kind of experience hey we're in the AFC everyone's talking about it all these mm-hmm. great quarterbacks are in the AFC so you know he's gone up against a lot of great quarterbacks in his time that's that's a big part of this you know what i mean that's a big part of this so kind of just adding that element of experience so that on defense you know we got you know we got gus bradley right he's he's the cornerstone he's the coordinator and we got richard smith who's been around the block a few times you know he's he's played he's seen coached a lot of football uh, ron Miles in the secondary a lot of, now you get john fox and you know for us to go where we want to go and be the team i really want us i, I believe that we have the personnel on defense you know, we're, we're right at that top 10 deal, you know, just to continue to ascend as a defense can be a can be a big thing for us. And
2: the, another big personnel addition on that side of the ball, Yannick Ngakwe coming in from the Las Vegas Raiders. What what stands out about Yannick on tape and the kind of player that he is?
1: Just it's just proven production, you know, both with sacks, but with hurries and affect the quarterback, affect the quarterback. Um, You know, he's been a playmaker. That's been proven. Um, You know, he's hard to block. He's got that combination of speed and bend around the edge. Um, an experienced, savvy player, you know, you talk to him and I always love this. It's no, never a surprise, but you talk to these good players and you, it takes about one minute to figure out, oh, this guy's really smart. Uh-huh. Like, it's not just physical talent. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to think about it. So I think that's what we're getting.
2: Kind of nice to not have to game plan for him now
1: this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, as we have had to so many times, you know, him playing in our division and then obviously last year in, with the Vegas, uh, out in Vegas. Just a couple more for you here, Frank. You talked a little bit about Naheem Hines and wanting to get him more involved.
2: As you kind of get this version of the 2022 offense, where do you see Naheem fitting in with the, the rest of the playmakers in this offense?
1: Yeah, we do. I mean, and I think Matt's the kind of quarterback who, who will want to get Naheem involved as well. You know, we don't want to force it. We don't have to force it, you know. Um, but it can be we're going to spread the ball around, but, you know, we can just make it a point to – Um, you know, to continue to develop Naheem, you know, in every aspect that we can utilize him, you know, as a runner, um, you know, when we use him out there in a slot as a receiver some and do some of the different things we do. Um, Some of the time he and Jonathan are on the field together, Mm -hmm. that always seems to give teams a little bit of an issue. Um, So we'll continue to look at ways that we can utilize him and complement the other players on offense.
2: With Michael Pittman Jr., how does his mentality, that physical tough, you know, go up and get it mentality, how does that benefit Matt Ryan stepping in now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big deal because, you know, this game is so hard, right? You're always looking for, you know, you get the one-on-one, but when you get a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who is that accurate, that... Even when Pitt's covered, he's not covered. You know, I I got confidence to throw it up to him. I see the little window where I can get it. Yeah, the defender's all over him, but hey, there's that little window right here. I can put the ball where I want. I have confidence that my guy can come down with it.
2: All right, that's Frank Reich, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Thanks for joining us here, and uh, go enjoy some warm weather. Thanks, JJ. All right, thanks again to Colts head coach Frank Reich for joining us here on the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet. Thank you for listening to this episode. For Casey Vallier and Lara Overton, I'm JJ Stankovitz. We will talk to you next Tuesday on the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet.